Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. I am here with Daniel. How's it going, Dan? What up, my man, buddy? How are you? Glad to be here with you for another great, great program. Beyond the Present podcast is here, and I'm so glad to be officially recording our uh, basically first Zoom, uh, basically uh, recording. It's going to be very amazing, hopefully, and we're going to see the quality, and hopefully our listeners will enjoy that as well. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, I hope. And and uh, yeah, uh, so so uh, update us. How's it going? How's life in this quarantine time and all that? Well, first of all, fortunately for me personally, as uh, it is a quarantine, but as you probably know, I am heavily uh, basically focused on getting the most out of time. I really believe that this is the moment to get ahead of the competition. So yeah. quite frankly, I my work has not been affected as much because I can still work online for the most part. There are some limitations. Obviously, I cannot travel at all as of now. And more importantly, a lot of the uh, basically demand for certain goods that we used to import and export are now reduced. Uh, of course, we have other problems in investment uh, because now it is hard to find tenants uh, for your properties in case you have to happen to have, you know, Airbnb uh, basically properties. So uh, there are right now certain countries are completely down. Uh, basically, that we do not have any guests for our basically properties. Uh, fortunately, Dubai is not as bad, but still the numbers are coming down as well. So right now, the biggest problem is for us to go through this crisis with the minimum losses. So some of my business, unfortunately, are not doing very well, uh, while the others remain pretty much stable, uh, depending on the case. So any of my businesses that require me to just uh, offer consultations or offer uh, basically ideas or teaching generally hasn't changed that much because I can simply use the internet. But uh, those are my businesses that, are, that somehow involve either uh, import and export of certain goods or uh, my real estate business, unfortunately, are now almost down because of lack of guests and lack of travelers. But still, we're doing our very best to focus on uh, basically making the most of the situation. So I am pretty sure that this is not going to stop us. Uh, it's not going to stop my team. It's not going to stop uh, cool guys like Pujix, and I'm pretty sure this is not going to stop those who are trying to see this as an adventure, as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, to make the most of the situation. And of course, we'll see how it goes. The numbers are going up all across the world, although I'm guessing we are getting close to that peak uh, in the U.S., basically, as far as the numbers are concerned, and given the fact that Trump wanted to open the whole uh, country in two weeks or something. So I'm guessing we're uh, past the worst Although nobody knows what happens once the economies get opened uh, all across the world. I, I heard the same thing about Germany because, as, as you know, my main European company now is in Berlin. And I just heard that the German, company, uh, German uh, government just mentioned that they are going to allow all companies in uh, Germany to gradually start working. Mm-hmm. And that's very good news for us. Russia, unfortunately, is just at the beginning of the phase because I remember when I first got to Russia, nobody even knew about the coronavirus there. And... Uh, Nobody was wearing, I didn't see a single person out of the airport who was wearing a mask, basically. <laughs> so Russia was behind in terms of, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus, which means that they are now about to enter uh, the worst phase, basically, as the rest of the world is gradually, you know, uh, getting better. Mm-hmm. But obviously, things are still a bit tough uh, in different parts of the world. So far, I think that Middle East has the, uh, the best solutions, especially, you know, in places like Dubai. For now, things are under control. And uh, the U.S. probably will get out of this mess in a couple of months, hopefully. Uh, but again, Trump believes that in two weeks we can actually go back to work. Let's see what happens. But overall, we're doing our best and uh, hopeful and optimistic as always. That's excellent. That's good to know. Um, and now you mentioned decisions that the certain countries are making and are different from one another uh, in a large scale. I remember you had tweets and Instagram posts about it and a lot of people commented on it. And one particular individual asked us to talk further about um, 
uh, one aspect of all of this, and that is um, well, well, one aspect is the leadership, and then the other aspect is okay, um, privacy. So um, we're, we're going to get into the leadership and privacy. Well, they're, they're, they kind of go hand in hand in this scenario, but I'm going to elaborate what the privacy situation, the problem is. First of all, I'm going to read your tweet that prompted this individual to ask for this particular topic. So your tweet was, governments are not at war with the coronavirus. They are at war with liberalism and privacy of citizens. The surveillance technology to enforce quarantine around the world will remain long after the virus is gone. So the concern is that, well, we're right now, there's a good excuse. And this uh, was uh, raised, this uh, concern was raised by Yuval Noah Harari, if people don't know, uh, author of uh, a few very great books. And his concerns were, uh, that, um, well, right now, it's good excuse. The coronavirus is a good excuse for contact tracing, seeing where this, uh, who has it and who's this person, individual likely going to get, uh, get this virus to, who, who, which are the uh, yeah, endangered individuals, where this virus is basically going. So for that very reason, um, there's, a, there's a good argument to be made that, okay, we need to have surveillance of some sort, track people, see where they're going. And uh, uh, control them, and in many cases, control their body temperature, maybe uh, uh, at, at every single stop. And well, that would be a good thing. Everybody would be like, yeah, we want to control this virus, and we yada yada yada. But on the other hand, we have the problem that, um, well, again, Yuval's uh, argument that the virus will eventually go away. But if history is an indication, and he gave some examples which I don't do not recall. If you do, please uh, provide them. But I'm 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 sure it's not far-fetched and people can imagine examples of their own that when the crisis is over the the extreme measures sometimes will still remain and this extreme measure in this case could be the surveillance and um and that could be problematic so what are your personal thought on it and what, what, what where do you see this going well, first of all, you really put it out pretty well in terms of what is happening, of course. Uh, as you mentioned yourself, this current crisis right now, there are a lot of theories. Some say this was actually a, uh, you know, perhaps a man-made crisis. Some say it just happened naturally. And then, you know, uh, world leaders are trying to use this as an opportunity. So I'm not going to comment on that because I don't have the information. And I cannot confirm whether this is an excuse, a man-made crisis, to use as an excuse, or it is a naturally occurring crisis that is then being used as an opportunity uh, to change the world order. But from my point of view, I see the coronavirus pandemic as nothing more than the next 9-11. Now, as you remember, in September 11th, 2001, the entire world order changed. I mean, I still cannot take a lot of the things that I really need on board. Let's say I'm just, I can't even take water, for example, or anything else that I need uh, basically on board the airplane uh, because in September you know, 11, 2001, some airplane hit some you know, towers and apparently they all collapsed because of one airplane. Very believable, but let's just assume that's all real, right? So the same thing now is happening with the coronavirus. And I really believe, again, this is my personal belief. I'm not necessarily gonna you know, tell people that this is exactly how it is, but that's what I personally perceive of this is that the coronavirus pandemic is the new 9-11, designed or at least taken advantage of or exploited as a way of changing the world order once again about two decades after 9-11. And uh, the reason is very simple. is because the world that we're about to enter into will be a lot uh, more different and a lot uh, basically less uh, certain than the world that we had 20 years ago. 
uh, things like AI, things like uh, the fact that uh, now we have a serious migration crisis in Europe, the fact that uh, wages are not keeping up with the prices around the world, the fact that uh, the environment is uh, under a lot of pressure and a lot of you know environmentalists, especially again in, in the Western world, are quite concerned about global warming. So does that mean that the same people who were worried about these things have now created a virus that, that is going to create all of these mess? I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I cannot say that because this might simply have been just a naturally recurring uh, virus that has caused all of these things. But uh, it is quite clear that governments around the world are at least exploiting this as an opportunity to expand their power in ways that might compromise the privacy of the average you know, citizens. And that's a serious problem because we're now seeing the world in a very, very different way. We're seeing concepts like the European Union being undermined. Uh, of course, it, it first occurred with Brexit, which is pretty interesting, by the way, for, for, to hear that uh, all of these things occurred after Brexit was officially done. I mean, because no, the virus was actually quite, you know, a while back, uh, long before right. we uh, knew about this, it was there. So all of a sudden, somehow after Brexit, we're going to see all these things happening. Maybe it's a coincidence. I'm not sure about that. But the point is, what we are seeing is a major shift that is taking us away from a lot of the liberal values that uh, were the results of, uh, you know, the, the end of the 20th century. And we are going back to a lot of those values that we escaped from in the 20th century. So by the end of the uh, basically 20th century, uh, especially near the, you know, around the time where the European Union was established, the world was very different. So we had a major focus. That was, you know, the, the, the peak of feminism, the peak of liberalism. It was right after, the, you know, the sexual revolution and the suffrage movement, all those things. So uh, at the same time, also, it was uh, a lot more beneficial for people of uh, colors. So we, we saw a lot less racism. We're, we're talking about, like, you know, the 1990s, basically. So the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, that wall uh, basically came tumbling down. And then we saw the formation of the European Union in the, around the year 2000, basically. And uh, the world became a lot more liberal. And then, boom, came 9-11. Uh, and by the way, if you remember, 9-11 occurred at a time when Republicans were controlling the White House. I mean, just this is no, this is no coincidence, by the way, guys. This is not a coincidence that 9-11 occurred when George Bush was the president. And boom, though, suddenly a lot of those liberalism were taken aback. So a lot of those freedom that people had all over the world somehow were restrained. Now, because of the threat of you know, uh, terrorism and al-Qaeda and all those things, all of a sudden there were a lot more restrictions, limitations inside the European Union. So traveling became a little bit harder. And there were a lot of changes in terms of financing, in terms of mobility. Uh, but of course, that time, we did not have the current technological capacities of uh, modern governments. And we didn't have anything like AI at that time that was so sophisticated, basically, right? But the world really changed dramatically. In term, a lot of new political alliances were formed uh, by a common enemy. And that common enemy, and that's, you know, this is the basic foundation of politics. Nothing creates unity more than a common enemy. And it's not a bad thing necessarily because, uh, I mean, you create a fake enemy like Saddam Hussein or something like this, and it's, this is going to really re reunite the Western world. That's pretty good. Uh, but right now, we have another common enemy, but this, and this time, uh, it's called uh, the invisible enemy. And, the, the, you know, when you look at this whole concept, it just sounds so funny, really. But that's, that's exactly what has happened. So now we have a common enemy. And this common enemy supposedly is risking people's lives the same way terrorists. I mean, like, if you look at this, you know, concept, they had a lot in common. So 
terrorists scared us because they could be uh, attacking us at any moment. They're at any, any possible corner, right? So uh, that's called terrorism, right? It's being able to uh, spread fear among people. And what do you think is more effective than a terrorist? That's an invisible enemy that you can't even see or hear, right? So the same thing occurs here, but just like the fact that all deaths caused by terrorism is such a small portion of all the deaths that occur uh, basically uh, over, uh, over the span of a year, the same thing now is happening with the coronavirus, but the fear is real. And it is actually, fortunately or unfortunately, they've managed to make this fear a lot more substantial than a fear of terrorism because now it's affecting almost everything. So Al-Qaeda, if you remember, like uh, when, when uh, basically 9-11 occurred, almost all flights came to a halt. So airports uh, were abandoned. So flights stopped. People were not moving so much. And the same thing has occurred this time. And we're seeing now a major restriction on people's daily lives. The same thing occurred, you know, back in 9-11. And more importantly, if you remember, 9-11 changed a lot of things, mainly politically, in terms of uh, what governments could and could not do. So the intrusive inspections, are you a terrorist or not? Uh, racial, for example, profiling, all of these things began back then. And fortunately, they were successful. They managed to fully uh, profile the citizens around the world. They, they, they somehow managed to find stronger control over all the finances so as not to pay the terrorists, quote unquote, and so on and so forth. And of course, the world became quite different. So if you look at the world after 9-11 and the world before 9-11, like two very different things almost. Uh, and uh, obviously, what was sacrificed in the process as we moved from uh, the uh, late 20th century to post 9-11, we saw a dramatic reduction in liberal values. And uh, be it, uh, for example, civil uh, discussions, be it freedom of uh, basically expression, be it uh, a t a toleration and uh, basically uh, tolerating different pe uh, people's beliefs and ideologies. Racial profiling was a lot less, but everything changed after 9-11. Now we are experiencing our second 9-11. And unfortunately, this is the next level to take away some of that liberal values that we still maintained. And the biggest victims, of course, right now around the world are the people with the most liberal values. So countries like Sweden now, who, uh, I mean, I think, like, I, I personally, one of the reasons I absolutely love the country and the nation of Sweden is this, is that Sweden is essentially one of the freest and most liberal places on earth as of today. Because there, People really care. I mean, because I've traveled to different countries, and of course, I've been to Sweden um, a couple of times, and I'm, I can tell you personally that that's one of the freest nations. And now the world is making fun of the Swedish government for giving the freedom to people you know, to do whatever they want, right? So now the second 9-11 will create a new wave and a new world order. Now, what are some of the changes? Let me just explain that a little bit you know, for, uh, for our listeners to understand. This is not just one thing. So we are talking about you know, the issue of privacy, that is not the only change. Because if this was the only reason, they, they probably, there would be no need for, you know, coronavirus. So this is one of the changes that is currently occurring. And that is, unfortunately, uh, feeding the massive uh, databases of the AIs that are currently used for facial recognition for the governments. As you know, AI needs data, big data and uh, massive data. And the way to make sure that these AIs are great at facial recognition is to have a huge database made of all sorts of people all over the world. And that is currently happening. Now, governments have the right to stop you, take a photo from you, put some funny uh, you know, thermometer on your face and say, now get out and don't come out. Why? 
because I'm trying to protect you. The same way we were told that all those restrictions were to protect us. The same way uh, Iraq was invaded for the sake of protecting uh, you know, the free world, the same thing now is happening in the name of protecting us from the virus. Well, we already know what happened in basically uh, in Iraq and we all know the results of it. Now we are seeing the second 9-11 with a similar pattern where governments will actually uh, get, get their hands on a lot of things that we should uh, value as our privacy in the name of protecting us from this virus. And of course, the issue of privacy is only one of them. We're talking about major changes. We're talking about the European Union actually and openly discussing the, the concept of closed borders. This is the first time since the formation of the European Union. Even 9-11 could not make Europeans uh, cause so much limitations, basically, and close their borders. But now we are seeing this being openly. As you know, I'm a polyglot, so I'm in touch with uh, news media in different languages. And I was watching one of the press briefings of uh, Macron, the French, the, 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 the French president, and uh, he openly uh, announces the idea of, yes, we're going to just close the borders right now. This is the first time in the history of the European Union where presidents can openly talk about closing their borders and not allowing non-Europeans or even other Europeans to enter their country. Now, this, if, if they were to discuss that for any excuse other than this one, there would have probably been protests, because as you know, France already had a major protest a while back and they would just topple the regime or something. But now the coronavirus, the war against the virus is good enough excuse to people at home, especially when they're at home. Understand this, if people are at home, can they go on the streets and start protesting? Why? You guys go back home, stay there. So it's an ideal political situation. You can make major changes. People cannot protest because they should be at home. I mean, just imagine the ideal situation. It's like, it's like literally, uh, the, the moment for world leaders to make whatever change they want without con being concerned about any protests. Like, you want, you want to go protest on the streets? You're going to get a virus and then you will die. So they keep people at home while they make all these changes. So they prevent further protests. And at the same time, understand this. This is the basic rule of politics. If people are scared about their lives, if their mind is busy with something as useless as a little virus, then they are not going to concern themselves with all the rights that are being taken away from them step by step. They will simply think, about, well, I don't want to die. Because let's be honest, when your brain is in that, you know, basically survival mode, you simply have no way of thinking rationally. So in this situation, your mind is fo focused on one thing, surviving and then you have other problems. So you have economic problems, and then you have the actual survival issues, like what if I catch the virus and die? So in that alarming mode, you have no way of actually sitting and thinking like, wait a minute, wait a minute, something's happening here. No, because you're watching the news, another 2,000 dead, and the world is coming tumbling down. And like, oh my gosh, we're gonna die, and six million unemployed in one day. So your mind is focused on those things while not paying attention to the real changes that will affect you a lot more than a simple uh, disease with uh, light flu symptoms or not being able to work for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And those are the things that I am concerned about, Pujix, and I really think that people should be concerned as well because this is going to change our entire world for generations to come. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, a lot of this makes sense. And not, not to make light of the crises and any of that, but 
um, very important stuff. One of which is, well, first of all, what what degree are we willing to go during the crisis, and what measures are we uh, going to take to make sure? I mean, obviously, when there's a crisis happening, you have to take ex more extreme measures, but it doesn't mean that the extreme measures should at last the crises. It, the reason for the extreme measures was the crisis. So we're by definition, where the crisis is over, we have to go back and the measures have to go back to what they were, maybe better them, but not, the, so the crisis mode measures should not remain. It should change somehow uh, to a very uh, drastic degree, meaning going basically back closer to normal, maybe add a few tweaks to make sure. So for example, maybe with respect to coronavirus, maybe make sure that we are more prepared for such outbreaks. And also, on the other hand, we want to make sure that we minimize the potential for such outbreaks. We evaluate the causes and whatnot, but not tracking the people uh, and uh, sort of, uh, causing their privacy to go away. That wouldn't be something we want. Yeah. That's the problem, Pujix. We cannot go back. You see, this is the next 9 11. Yeah, no, Just I know. like we could not go back to the world pre 9 11. Before 9-11, we did not have all those limitations imposed on traveling. Before 9-11, we did not have all those wars fought for no reason. We did not have this constant threat of terrorism. We did not have things like ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Taliban. Before 9-11, life was very, very different. And we never got back to uh, you know, uh, you know, life before 9-11. Never. And never will. And the same thing pushes happens now. You're saying going back. It's impossible. The databases of people's uh, photos and faces and movements and all this technology is now being tested and we are the test subjects. Dude, they're doing it and they are getting the results. There's no way we can go back to that life because now this technology will then lead to further things such as electronic passports, which is then going to be perhaps you know, even implanted on our bodies or in, in our phone, full-time 24-7 tracking uh, via geopositions and all that stuff, and uh, full control using cameras. So even if they open the border, they're not really opening the border. They're just checking things without us winning in lines with their cameras. That's not real freedom, man. So that's my problem. I wish, I wish this was just a medical issue and then we would go back to normal. But going back to normal is simply not possible because the world order is already changing dramatically. It first began with Brexit. When I heard the news first time, it literally uh, made me sick to my stomach because that was the, I, I knew that this is an early sign of a major change in the, in, in the world order. It was a clear early sign. Of course, Trump's presidency was yet another clear sign. And then you can put it all together and you're seeing things are changing dramatically and not in the favor of those who value freedom, liberty, and liberal values for the most part. And we are seeing this occurring all across the globe. And now, I'm not saying this is all bad, by the way, because uh, part of this reason, actually, is because this is a win-win agreement among all nations. So uh, this will definitely uh, help us tackle the issue of global warming a little bit more. But at the same time, the costs will be too high. Also, having higher levels of surveillance generally can you know, lead to a higher level of safety. So I'm not saying that all these changes are necessarily bad. What I'm saying is that, that people will look at these, these situations, they become extremely upset and afraid and basically are played by their governments for months and months before they are told the truth. And my purpose to my listener right now 
is not to just inform them of the current changes because everybody will be informed of the changes very soon once they are done, once they realize, oops, things are actually changing, Europe, Europe is actually changing. Uh, the, 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 you know, all the tension in the Middle East is gradually subsiding because there's now less demand on oil and all those things. So there are some good things in here as well. I'm not saying, just like 9-11 also improved uh, life in certain ways and it created more security in certain ways. But in reality, the governments are not here being upfront with their people. And more importantly, because as you know me, my, I'm a motivational speaker and my job is to help people be happy and positive, you know, and focus on their success. But now people cannot because they're afraid. I got a message from a, from a lady saying, well, I just hope that we can just get through all of this and, and we don't die. So now millions, if not billions around the world are living day to day with fear, fear of dying, fear of unemployment, not knowing that they're being played by certain political powers that want them to feel like that. That's what I don't want. I want to get these guys to actually calm down, to chill out, to sit back and say, well, another 9-11. So, and, and get busy pursuing their goals the way they want without being affected. Because let's be honest, Pujis, you and I, we're not capable, at least perhaps not yet, of changing the world order. That's, that's not, we are not politicians yet, perhaps. But we don't, have, we don't have that kind of power to change the world order. But we can tell our friends, tell our loved ones to calm down, to explain why there's so much hype and fear spread out in the world, and to let them know that things will be okay if they just focus on making the most of this time and not take this whole pandemic uh, extremely you know, uh, seriously, because that's not the case. Now, I'm not saying don't wash your hands. I'm not saying uh, uh, don't practice social distancing, because these are necessary. These are health, uh, basically, recommendations. These are not about politics. What I'm saying is, do not let this crisis make you blinded to all the changes that are occurring right now that might, you know, uh, make life harder. Not now, but five years from now, when you realize that for the past five, six, seven, ten years of your life, every single movement you've made is tracked by the government. All of your expenditures are controlled and they know exactly what you're doing. And they're using all these AI algorithms to predict your next moves. And then to, this is the problem that we're having right now. And uh, this uh, global crisis is not nearly a crisis as, as much as it's a timeout. A timeout for world leaders to simply install their new world order. You see, it's kind of like, you know, a server. If you have a website or if you have an app that is working online and you have a lot of users, if you want to make a major update, be it Facebook, be it, I don't know, Twitter, you know that every website or every major hub, they need to have a downtime for major websites could be as little as a few basically minutes to update the new things, right? To make sure that the users will have the best experience. Now, the coronavirus is that timeout. The timeout required to make the new changes. The timeout required to collect the information of the citizens and to use it as a means of protecting them from the virus to feed all that information, the big data, to the AI so that after the crisis is gone, they say, well, don't worry. Oh, by the way, borders are also open. And then uh, as, you're, as you're moving around, your photo is being taken every five minutes and they know exactly where you are and they use all these AI algorithms to control your movements and then to make decisions about you and all those things. This is the problem. And I'm, I'm personally really much, because as you know, I'm, I'm a liberal. And this, is, this really hurts my feeling when I see that people are extremely worried about a little virus. I just tweeted a while back, uh, a virus that kills 2% of those who catch it 
And if right now you look at the statistics, you realize that as of uh, right now, less than 2% of the world population have gotten it. But since we are now approaching the peak, I'm guessing another probably another 2% will catch it by the end of this crisis. So approximately 4 to 5% of the world population will become victims of this virus. But from those victims, about 2% will uh, pass away. Now, that's a very bad thing. We don't want to see that. I mean, death is always bad. That's a bad thing. But this is bad. But what is even worse is what's going to happen after the crisis, right? In the name of protecting those 0.12%, I mean, what is the 5% of 2%? What is like, what, 0.1%? In the name of doing that, you will see that every single one of us, 100% of us, are going to have to deal with a lot of issues that will take away our freedom. And that is not okay. All the governments now have a, have a chance they can block the borders. So next time, whatever happens, we're gonna block the borders. You see, blocking the borders in many ways could actually go against human rights. In a truly free liberal world, I mean, we, it's the first time I'm seeing, in the because you know me, I've worked in different countries I and mean, I've worked in some really, really difficult nations with very authoritarian regimes. And the idea that the French president, who is the symbol of liberalism of Europe, comes and says, we're going to close the borders. That's it. This really hurts my feeling because I have seen these things from many authoritarian regimes around the world. I'm not going to name these nations. And I'm now seeing that being repeated in the Western free world. And this is the problem because now all of a sudden, it's okay for Macron to say that and not to have another protest in France, basically. And this is my problem, and I hope that people will understand this, will not be as much panicked by the situation and will understand that the real crisis for here is not a virus that only about 5% of the world population will catch and from those 2% will die. That's a very bad thing. I'm not undermining that. We've had Lots and lots of death around the world. That's a, that's a loss of lots of lives. That's not a good thing. But what's even more horrendous, what's even more nightmarish, is what we are seeing happening to our freedom, to our liberal, uh, liberalism, that is affecting every single one of us, and not just 0.1%, but every single one of us. And that, I think, should be thought out and uh, paid attention to, because that's going to change our future completely. And in the Beyond the Present podcast, we are talking about the future a lot. Uh, futurism is part, uh, one of our major concepts. And this is the new world order, which will then affect our future and our future generations. Uh, perfect. Now, uh, I have a... So, look, I mean, so we have a little bit of a different, different perspective on this. So I do completely share your concern about the aftermath, and I do see how going back to normal is quite impossible at this point. Um, and, but so my, my thing is that, okay, extreme measures are to, well, to a degree, I suppose, are, are acceptable to me uh, on a temporary basis. Uh, so long as it doesn't uh, affect the core principles after the fact. Now, again, going back to normal, it's not possible and it shouldn't be uh, desirable because clearly there was something wrong with the previous uh, configuration that caused this uh, crisis. So we want to make changes, of course. There's no doubt about that. Now, the changes we make is in question, in my, from my perspective, and um, and so I want the changes to be such that, uh, uh, you know, done, does not infringe on the core principles. One of them being the privacy, etc. Now, so I, I'm not, I'm not. So I want to make sure that I get this clear. So are are you taking? So for, for let's assume that 
the aftermath will be acceptable to you, whatever that may be, okay? Uh, will you still take issues with the temporary extreme measure, even if the aftermath will be acceptable to you somehow? Well, for, first of all, temporarily, is it, that's a problem. If by temporary, they would have found a way to fully persuade the global population to somehow stay at home and to trust them enough to maintain social distance, then perhaps yes. But right now, Pujix, what we are seeing here, I mean, you're saying uh, temporary. This is a temporary measure. People are not going to be kept at home forever because people don't need to stay at home forever for them to get used to the new rules, to understand that it's okay for borders to be closed. It is okay for them to be kept at home and it's okay for them not to go on the streets and protest uh, for their freedom uh, and liber uh, liberalism because of governments that is trying to protect them. You see, uh, am I in favor? Am I in favor of the current way governments are handling uh, basically this crisis? Not exactly. Quite frankly, just, I'm not a fan of it. I don't believe that uh, the majority of people around the world who, will, who could carry the virus without having symptoms should be kept at home and doing nothing with their lives and uh, degrading all the time for those uh, 2% who might catch the virus and then from those another 2, two or 4% who will actually uh, might uh, have severe complications uh, to somehow uh, you know, be protected. I don't think this is an efficient approach to politics. Does this approach save lives? Well, I'm not sure how many lives have been saved by these tough measures, but I do know that for every life that was saved in the process of putting people uh, in, in these situations, and if this continues for a long time, which probably could, uh, could go on for another month or two months or even longer than that, if this goes on for any longer than that, then for every life that we save, we're gonna ruin many lives, not by killing those people, but by taking away their freedom, their liberty and their future. I've heard the number of suicide has gone up. The number of divorces have gone up. I mean, uh, we're talking about people living and surviving physically, having their heartbeat and having their brain functioning. And we're ignoring all those hearts that are now broken. All those bank accounts, all those businesses that have gone bankrupt, all those people who have lost their hope for the future. And above all, all that freedom that is no longer there. So, uh, do, am I saying here that I'm, uh, am, I, am I supporting the current uh, tough measures against the, you know, the virus? No, I don't think that's the right way. I think Sweden has done the best job. And if I uh, basically want to recommend any government, I would have recommended the same approach done by the Swedish government. So for me personally, I am not a fan of the quarantine approach whatsoever. I think that it could have been done a lot differently. But then again, it would have been done differently if the purpose of that measure was to protect people. But the current, that's, that's my problem. I don't believe that the current tough measures taken by governments around the world is done necessarily for the sake of their own people. I personally believe that a lot of these measures are done in the name of protecting those citizens, but they want to still go on with their own agenda because there are many ways, many ways of dealing with this without compromising the freedom of the citizens. Take a look at Sweden, for example. They had the same problem, they had the same you know, death rate and all the statistics and all that stuff, but they did not right away close the border, put over at home, go do this. This is not what happened there, which means it is possible for other countries to do the same thing, but they didn't. Because Sweden is not a major global player, but the US is, the European Union as a whole is, China is, Russia is, the Middle East is, 
And because of this, we're now seeing these things. So quite frankly, Pujix, if you think I'm gonna uh, say that I'm happy about the current tough measures, I disagree with you completely in this regard. I, I'm not happy about it at all. For whatever, for whatever number of lives that we have saved, I mean, just imagine how deadly this virus is really is 2% death rate, right? But for all the lives we have saved, I'm pretty sure already many lives have, lives have already been ruined and nobody's gonna talk about that. No one's gonna see those statistics. When was the last time you heard the statistics of divorce all over the world? How about domestic violence on the rise? How about massive unemployment? Who is gonna help these people, man, who don't have a job because of this situation? And who might not even ever have that job back again because we know that business is very competitive. So if you're out of business, because this is one, one year that I know uh, pretty well, just like you, if you're gonna go out of business for a while, because the world of business, we're talking like long-term planning, man. I'm, I'm talking to one of my business partners literally yesterday. This guy's, uh, he, for the first time in his life, he started drinking heavily and even did, you know, I heard like he was like, man, I just uh, smoke marijuana. I just couldn't take it anymore. For the first time in more than 20 years of business, this guy's doing this. Because once you get that kind of loss in your business, sometimes the damage can last for the rest of your entire career. So no one is going to talk about those damages emotionally, psychologically, financially, relationships, and people are gonna talk about those few, let's say, uh, uh, extra deaths that we've saved in the process. Very good for you guys. But I would like to also talk about those people whose lives are ruined, but no one is talking about them because that is not being measured. The number of infections is being measured right now by their devices. It's much easier to measure the number of uh, deaths and the number of infections and to use it as a measure to justify what you're saying. But it is very hard to measure all the loss and all the damage caused to global economy, to people's emotions and happiness, uh, and life stopping to a halt. It's a lot easier to uh, basically measure the number of deaths and say, well, we're going through the trade, the whole curve, everything is fine, and we did the whole things, we managed it. That's a lot easier to prove that, but no one is going to measure the happiness of people that have been you know, suffering throughout the, the entire process. No one's going to talk about those people who lost their future dream because they were about to make a startup and now they've lost their money and they have no way of going back. No one's going to talk about any of that stuff because those stuff cannot be measured because the governments are not going to measure those because they are busy measuring our facial basically features. They can put this in their goddamn cameras. So they can actually uh, be always uh, controlled and surveilled basically and, and monitored, right? So because of this, Am I a fan of the current tough measures? Absolutely not. I am not. I believe that there were a lot of measures. Actually, originally, I proposed another way to handle this problem, and that was a mandatory quarantine of people above a certain age or with certain medical condition, a mandatory, and keep these guys at home, offer them full tax benefits so they do not have any financial problems, and then let the rest of the world, the healthy and the young, to keep working and to keep economies running. But that would not have accomplished any purpose. That would not have led to massive, massive crackdown and control over the citizens. That would not have led to closing the borders and using it as an excuse because it would have had the same impact. But that would have been only good for the people and it would have not served any political purpose. But the current measure, it does serve a political purpose. Not even one, many. What's going to happen to the manufacturing process of China? Now we want to bring more manufacturers to other countries because of we don't, lack of, you know, dependence on this. Look what happened in the world. Do you want another coronavirus? No. So let's spread it out a little bit. I'm going to have some factors here as well. Let's uh, talk about taxes and prices, right? So there were many other ways to handle this problem without undermining the freedom, the liberty, and the rights of every citizen around the world 
there were many ways to do that. And uh, unfortunately, it was not done. Instead, they chose the, the path that served them the most, which is put everybody behind quarantine, which was completely useless. And I don't really believe that that really necessarily saved a lot of lives. I don't believe that's the case, Pujix. And I know that maybe you feel that that's the case. I understand this. I respect that. But I don't believe that this was the best way to go about handling this problem. Oh, I'm uh, so let me let me be clear on my position. I, I have no illusion that this was definitely well, probably not the best way. What could have been done? I don't know. I think one of the problems, one of the main problems was that the fact that we could have foreseen this coming and we were not having we, we never had a protocol or scenario to deal with this. So that was the probably the biggest problem. Now, that should be discussed after the map, I suppose, a little bit. But um, whether it will be is a good question. Now, so I'm not saying this was the right approach, and I'm not saying this was the best approach. I, I, I don't know what should have been done exactly. Like I kind of sympathize with your idea well, with the with the Sweden model, kind of. So uh, that makes a little bit of sense. I, I know some person in your uh, post, social media post, was a little bit upset with that. Um, so I do understand. So does this model, this this approach, save lives? like simply because the spread is much 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 lower yes but again it has other ramifications that we are we have to also take absolutely this is leadership man i mean you gotta look at all the whole picture yeah and unfortunately most people are not leaders so they don't look at the whole picture they look like oh well okay okay so lives have been saved yeah wow every every minute i sit home i'm sitting one life that's good so this is only one aspect yeah it's such a uh, myopic approach to leadership. We're just looking at one thing. Well, look, look, man, I, I save a lot of lives this way. Well, I'm not sure about that, first of all, number one. I'm not because we don't know about all the, you know, the exact numbers. And I've already given you another way to do this, which was probably even more effective in terms of preventing death, which is mandatory quarantine of those who need to be quarantined, because the ones who should not be out there on the streets anyways. I mean, why should granny walk her dog every night? It's pretty funny. I was in Russia and I would see all these elderly who are walking their dogs, because that was apparently allowed in Russia. You could walk your dog about 100 meters from your home, but uh, young uh, individuals were not allowed to go for a run or go for a walk. That's really funny. Granny, you should stay at home right now. You should not walk your dog. And that's the thing that we're not seeing. So if the government would have done that, probably would have even better approach, because then those who are now dying or who, who passed away in the past, they're the ones who should have been at home anyways. But unfortunately, that's not happening right now because if they would have done that, if not only, you know, from my point, not only would it actually save more lives, but probably it would have been better for everybody. But understand this: this is not designed for the people. This is not for the people. I don't. I don't believe that these measures are necessarily to protect people. I cannot agree with that. No matter what arguments you throw at me, I cannot agree with that. This is for the people because I, I understand politics well. And secondly. I don't believe that this was necessarily the best approach. And I do believe that by showing that part, once things go back to normal, then no one's going to talk about all the freedom that is lost in the process and no one's going to talk about those. So that's why I think there would have been a lot of better ways to handle this problem than the current approach. The current approach, let me tell you this, the current approach was the easiest, most dictatorial, and least humane approach. Quarantines are the things of the Stone Ages. Quarantines are not the things of the modern world. Because in the modern world, if you don't believe this, go read uh, books of, uh, you'll know hurry. Go read the book Homo Deus. 
and he talks about how humanity's knowledge of medicine has eradicated this problem. Dude, this is not as serious as you think it is. Think of Ebola. How was that one? Because Ebola was a real virus and was a lot deadlier too, but people didn't care about that so much. But this one, all of a sudden, this virus is such a serious deal because obviously there are people around the world who want it to seem that way. So for that reason, I'm not going to consider this as a health crisis. I think of the COVID-19 pandemic as a political crisis, as a crisis of human rights, uh, which is not always necessarily bad because it could reduce crime at some point, but it substantially reduced people's freedom. It began with an act of governments, Western in the Western world, which really you know, hurts me so much, to put their own citizens behind you know, uh, homes, literally essentially imprisoning their own, imprisoning their own citizens in the sake, for the sake of protecting their lives. Well, I cannot buy the theory whatsoever, and I really think if the governments thought about their own citizens and people, especially I'm talking about the Western world here, uh, governments that we usually uh, thought to be a lot more liberal, think European Union, think United States, and uh, think uh, many other countries, you, you are seeing a very, very different approach towards the world order, which I think is not for the citizens, it is for those who want their agenda to be realized using COVID-19 as an excuse. All right. Uh, so, I mean, we are coming to the end of the show. Um, I completely agree with you on two points and the other parts. I'm quite agnostic. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I do not know. Um, now, the two points being, well, um, the, the privacy part of my concern, 100%, and the fact that uh, why haven't we prepared for such pandemics, given the fact that, well, nature being what it is, we could have, we did predict that this is going to happen. Maybe not today, not tomorrow, not the day after that, a few years, 10 years, 50 years. It's, it, it's irrelevant. We knew this is going to happen. We should have had protocols in place. Now we had some, but clearly not enough. And we, uh, and reaction, and being reactive that rather than proactive caused a lot of disarray. And, well, argue can be made that this was actually. Uh, um, yeah, maybe political. Uh, that's that. That's the part that I'm agnostic. That's the part that I'm not um, quite sure. But uh, well, well, we'll see. I guess uh, in a few years we'll have better perspectives. Uh, same way we did about 9/11. Um, now we're coming to the end of the show, and I want you to see if there's anything missing or you want to summarize everything. Uh, go ahead. Well, first of all, uh, Pujis, that was a great uh, topic. I also want to thank uh, one of our listeners for uh, you know, suggesting this topic for us, basically with this program. It was great. Ultimately, today we talked about uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and how it is uh, going to affect uh, the privacy and the freedom of citizens in the future world. We talked about the fact that this uh, issue was very tough for everybody. We've had lots of deaths, no doubt about it, but I really think that this was exaggerated to a major degree. And the reason was to use that as a shock strategy to implement a new world order. And I use this as an analogy. I use 9-11 as an analogy. And so like, this is the second, the new 9-11. And we are seeing this just like the real enemy in 9-11 was not Saddam Hussein or Al-Qaeda or Taliban. The real enemy in this crisis is not the COVID-19, is not the virus, and it's not those who are dying of this virus. The real enemy here, as I mentioned in my tweet as well, is liberalism, freedom of movement, and human rights. And the ultimate winners in this are indeed the governments who now, thanks to this crisis, will have higher levels of surveillance. They realize that they have the authority to keep people back in their homes. 
And this is going to be, just imagine, next time they're going to predict a major global protest, boom, oh, we have uh, COVID-25. Uh, 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 guys, uh, we're, we're, we're under attack. COVID-25, guys, go back home. Yes, quarantine. It is for your own sake, guys. And they can do this again and again. And this time, however, they are not going to have to uh, experiment. They have all the database filled with photos of all the citizens. They can use that to easily control them. and. They can monitor them long after this crisis is over. So is this a health crisis? No doubt about it. But the magnitude of the health crisis is nothing compared to the magnitude of the human uh, rights crisis that we're currently witnessing. And I really hope that people around the world will come uh, to this conclusion uh, earlier than later, because then they perhaps might have a chance to make a difference in the future and to hopefully not allow freedom, liberty, autonomy, and the values that have made the Western world the icon of the world to actually go down because of certain people and because of you know, the new world order and who's, whoever got the power, right? So let's hope that our listeners will be awakened a little bit and understand that things are not always as simple as they are. If we want to use matrix as an, as an example, let's just understand that you know, the matrix isn't always visible at first. So we, perhaps it's better for all of us to think a little more deeply to find out what is really happening and how deep the rabbit hole really goes. All right, fair enough. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Now, thank you for your time, uh, Dan. And thank it's you. My for, pleasure, buddy. To, yeah, thanks to, to the audience who asked this particular subject. It was a great subject. Uh, lots of lots to talk about. Lots more to come. Uh, we'll know more, I suppose, as time passes. Uh, at least some more, and uh, hopefully, all goes uh, all goes well. I mean, we what we can do um good luck everybody i hope to see you one more time uh on a different subject hopefully more cheerful subject and uh, pre please send us requests uh you see that your requests are being paid attention to if you have subject requests have a good one